Hello everybody, welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. I am Cammy Black. Uh, joining me this evening, we've got Johnny McGinty. Good evening, Johnny. Good evening, how are we doing? Craig is, is currently, uh, as someone put it earlier, cleaning up at a uh, Hoover <laughs> convention somewhere. <laughs> He's going to be really pleased when he listens to this on the flight home and hears you call it a Hoover convention. Yep. <laughs> that was not an accident, Johnny. <laughs> Um, yeah, so um, hopefully Craig will be back next week. I won't be here. I'm, I'm off next week, but John will be back in the hot seat. So um, a bit of musical chairs. Um, you can watch us live as we are right now on YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Um, you can also listen to the podcast in an audio format on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Acast, and anywhere else that you can get podcasts. Um, we also have a Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Scottish Rugby Podcast. And from £3 a month, you get um, the a bonus weekly episode where we just kind of chat about things that are bothering us, like bringing back Jaffa fingers. Still no news on that. <laughs> Only need to tweet tweet Mister Kipling again and find out what's happening. He'll be dead pleased. They did say they were going to pass it back to the quality quality um, department. So this <laughs> can the quality department decided there was no quality in it. They don't know what they don't know. Maybe they lost the recipe. <laughs> um, so um, we've got a fair bit of stuff to get through this week. Um, the big news today is that Pierre Schumann has re-signed for Edinburgh. Um, that's I don't I don't know why I'd, 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 I hadn't dawned on me that he's twenty eight, Johnny. I think that's you know it's kind of prime era for a prop. Given what happened yeah. with Duhan, you would have. It's kind of a I think it's a sign of his commitment to Edinburgh, not just the club, but the city, because he settled apparently settled in very well. Because at twenty eight, given the Six Nations he's had and the kind of player he's become, it's kind of prime Premiership France territory. That yeah, yeah, I think he he's a little bit older than I think we realised because we waited for so long with him. I think you know it feels mm. like we've been we've been waiting for. Scubin for ages um, and then he's obviously only just played his first season and has been, he's been really, really good and, you know, like you say, sort of late 20s, early 30s is when you want to get a prop, so good bit of business by Edinburgh to keep him about I think, he's only getting better So Yeah, because I mean, he, he managed to jump the queue a bit with qualification, I think it would have been another two years, he would have had to wait mm. but, I mean, it's a long term deal as well, which be, I mean, I think by our Kind of SIU contract translation translation system makes it about three to four years. Yeah, I was thinking, yeah, three or four. So no, that's great. I mean, that's that's basically another full World Cup cycle. So yeah, and a good thing for Ember as well to keep a player like that around, given they lost Duhan. Yeah, and Suz. And Suz, yeah. We'll talk about Ember in a minute. Um, there's been no signing news for Glasgow, although it looks like Roy Darge is broken. Yes, they um, they released a photo of the seven candidates for Warrior of the Season yesterday. Yeah. And both him and Seb Cancellari have a leg brace. And I'm not even going to say a knee brace, a leg brace on, because it literally is like top of the thigh to the ankle on both of them, which is a bit worrying. They did say it could be up to 12 weeks for Darge. So. Yeah. I think the, the interesting thing with that Glasgow shortlist, though, is... Aside from, I think, uh, aside from Sam Johnson, everybody on there's a new sign in this season, including Richie Gray. 
Yeah, yeah, Richie, Richie Gray, new old, new old signing. Um, Which, on the one hand, is good that all a lot of the new signings have made an impact, but it does maybe say something about the how is it the quality, the impact. Yeah, of I mean, more established Glasgow players. At at the same time, I'd quite like to know who's in charge of producing the shortlist. Because um, I know Warrior of the Season is a fan-voted award, but I don't know if the shortlist is fan-voted or whether maybe it's just like Danny Wilson's staff going, look, all these new players we've got are really, really good. <laughs> it's a massive PR exercise. <laughs> Stop asking for new signings. You got this last year, be happy. Yeah, look at all these new players we just got. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there is something to the fact that a lot of the established Glasgow players or Glasgow players have been around for a while haven't been hugely successful this season. But then, you know, Ali Price has had no time off in almost 18 months. Same, same as Actually, Anderson, Ali, Ali Price has been fine. Yeah. Don't think Ali yeah, Price he's just, has really... he's just not really been lighting it up as much as he usually is, but no wonder he must be shattered. Yeah. I think out of the established players, I would probably say Ali Price and Ross Thompson are two of the kind, and Sam Johnson as well, were probably the, the, the more standout ones that have been consistently okay. Yeah, and if Matt Fagerson was doing really well, and then obviously yep. got injured. Zander, I would say Zander, Zander might be tired, but I mean he didn't really do much on the Lions tour. He probably held a lot of bags. I know he probably ate a lot of <laughs> biltong. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's just. I mean, do we want to talk about Glasgow in Europe now? Should I we mean, go straight into it while we're talking about the Glasgow squad? Yeah. Do we want to? No, but we probably should. Should um, do. Um, I mean, this is the point where I could have just taken five minutes off and once again clipped what I said last week or the week before or the week before because I'm getting past the point of being able to say <laughs> Glasgow can't get to the end of a game. Well, John, po- John popped in the um, group chat that we've got. Yeah. A really, it's a, this is a horrendous list. This is... This is Glasgow. This is Glasgow's last few away games. So Ulster leading 15-14 at halftime, lost 29-35. Zebra leading 14-6 at halftime, 176. Fair enough. Benetton leading 18-13 at 62 minutes, lost 18-19. La Rochelle, 13-10, 56 minutes, lost 13-20. Exeter 17-14 at 15 minutes, lost 17-52. Yeah. Christ. Yeah, we don't like that one very much at all. Connacht leading 17-10 at halftime, 142-20. Fair enough. But but some of the other ones, I mean, Scarlet's leading at halftime, lost 10-35. Cardiff leading at halftime, lost 28-32. Newcastle leading at halftime, won, to be fair. But there's a lot of these leading at halftime, leading in the into the fourth quarter of a game. Yeah. And then it all coming undone. I mean, some of the, the penalties are just stupid now. Yeah. Like... It's like we were saying the other week about the difference between Glasgow and Edinburgh. You know, Edinburgh have hit a blip, and hopefully, are going to be able to go. Oh, we've had we've had two. Well, not hopefully now because the only game they've got left is Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully for them, uh, we'll be able to go. Look, that's that's two weeks that this has happened, lads. Like we need to stop this right now. Whereas Glasgow are at like about twenty weeks of it just will not stop happening. I think it's too late now to to come up with a fix for it. To be honest. 
because there were times the referee was screaming at them that he was going to basically like the number of amount of warnings Matt Carley gave them and was like, you're off your feet. And then he was giving them a good 10 seconds before he blew up to correct body position or to just go back. But I mean, and they were right in front of the posts. Yeah. In their own half every single time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not even the penalties. I don't mind a team giving away a few penalties, but you, you've got to make your penalties count. Like if mm-hmm. you're going to give away a penalty, make it worth something. Stop giving away stupid penalties in front of your own posts all the time, because that's how you end up losing a game. Well, yeah, the, I mean, the first penalty was it Sam Johnson won a turn or read it really well and won the turn, won a turn, basically got the turnover, and then it was just. It's like brainless just going beyond the ball to then be turned over and have a penalty whistled against you within like three seconds of that happening. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's like the situations where Glasgow give away penalties, it's just it's just where that shouldn't be happening. Yeah. And I mean, some, you know, someone in the comments asking if it's fitness. I don't... It's, it's mental to me. Yeah. Like, I, don't I mean, think it's, at this it's point it's mental. It I mean, it's... It, 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 it's <laughs> it's, it's um yeah, it's the decision making on the pitch. It's yeah, there's nobody there like pulling them together and saying, "Right, we need to cut it out. We need to sort it out." Yeah, the, um, I mean, even that last try, there was about. I mean, there's six Glasgow players in the defensive line throwing their hands up in the air about the referee's decision, rather than focus on what was happening. So. Yeah. It's the softest driver, kick over the chip over the top in a way, because they were all pleading with the referee rather than being aware of the fact they might go for a quick tap and go. It's it's one of these things as well, you know, where two games in a row you collapse in the second half and you start to think, Oh, do we have a problem with this? I mean, this the stats there, Glasgow have collapsed in the second half, what, fourteen games out of sixteen away this season? Mm-hmm. And by the time that happens, like if that's in your head, you're knackered. Yeah, because, like, I mean, I know it. Sitting on my couch, you're sitting there thinking, if this game starts to get out of Glasgow's control, they're going to lose because they always lose. So there's no way that that's not going through the players' heads as well. Yeah, uh, Kev Wynas says the breakdowns where the national side is being penalised most. Be good to see the stats of Glasgow and Embra here as well. Is there? I don't think it would be breakdown? good. <laughs> yeah, is <laughs> it a breakdown specialist who's Scottish coaching at a decent level? Yes, he's called Richie Gray and he's currently coaching a breakdown at, for Fiji for Vern Cotter. Is the yep. answer to that? <laughs> but yeah, which I is don't... terrifying, by the way, not as terrifying as it is for Wales. Um, no, <laughs> but a, a whole World Cup cycle now of Stern Vern and Richie Gray teaching Fiji to be absolute monsters at the breakdown as well yeah, as. Everything Fiji, else you do. Fiji have just nationalised rugby in their country as well. Yep. Come on, come on. I'm, I'm, glad, that, <laughs> I'm glad that we are not in their World Cup group. <laughs> come on, Nicola, national, nationalise <laughs> nationalize the SRU. <laughs> That's what we all want. More bureaucracy <laughs> in the SRU. <laughs> Let's go back to Glasgow then. The... Um, yeah, I just, the, the back, there doesn't seem to be any many issues in the backs. That's the, it's all it, it's all. I mean, I don't want to. I know Craig's not here to defend the forwards. Not that <laughs> Craig would be chomping at the bit to defend Glasgow, Glasgow forwards. forwards. Anyway, yeah, yeah. But it, how great he thinks Jack Dempsey is. 
I haven't got an issue with the backs. No. Um, I think this is where, like, possibly there is something fitness-related because how many times uh, on in our group chat, on Twitter or whatever, has, has me or John been sitting watching the Glasgow game and remarked in the first 20 minutes about how the forwards are really taking it to teams, you know, scoring a, getting a penalty try from the mall against the Bulls a couple of weeks ago. Uh, some of the breakdown work against the Stormers for the first 20 minutes was unbelievable. And they just, they don't seem to be able to sustain it for a whole game. Yeah. They fall away eventually, apart from Jack Dempsey. No, well, he's he's inevitable. <laughs> yeah, I don't, well, there's not really much else. To, it's Like I said, it's the same thing every week. We've got, we have the same discussion every week about Glasgow. The solution yep. seems to be very clear, but I don't, it's, there's we'll no evidence it. that it's happening. <laughs> Just bring, you know, you would think that, well, the solution would be get everyone together and try and work out why they're having mental, you know, having a, 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 ment, a collapse of clarity and of thinking at, at post half time, if not in the last quarter. And why is that happening? And can, what can they do to fix it? Because it's, it's too late in the season to try and try and, fix it overnight and you're not going to but there's no sign there's even kind of an attempt looking ahead to next season to try and change anything it's just if we keep playing the system hopefully we'll score enough tries and let's just hope that we don't let any in yep what's the definition of insanity again <laughs> yeah is it well we've won games this season just playing the way we play we've lost some as well but we'll just keep doing that and it'll work yeah and it's not no it's not no i mean we're we're still going to be in the URC playoffs while we are in the URC playoffs. But, Glasgow, yeah, but you've gone, Glas- Glasgow are still in the playoffs. Yeah, <laughs> but Glasgow have gone from being what second in the URC down to yep. now got an away quarter final. Yeah, now I mean part of that is something that's happened to quite a lot of teams this season, where that there was a block at the run in where they went down to South Africa and got slippered twice. Yeah. Which happened to everyone, to be fair, except Edinburgh. And so I think Glasgow and Edinburgh's position early in the season was artificially inflated. I don't think that Glasgow and Edinburgh were ever at any point the top three or four teams of the URC. I don't know about Edinburgh, maybe. The thing is, when Edinburgh Edinburgh were up the top... They hadn't played Leinster. They hadn't played Ulster. They hadn't played Munster. They hadn't, they hadn't played. They was hadn't played re- any real teams. Had, well, yeah, that's <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. But then, to be fair, Glasgow hadn't played a large amount of real teams either. Like, yeah, we were we were slightly further down than Edinburgh. They were slightly further down than Edinburgh because they had played Leinster and they had played Ulster. But they still had a South African trip to come up. They still had Scarlets to come. You know, I think. Both the Scottish teams at the start of the season maybe had a, a slightly easier kickoff than a lot of others. Yeah, Edinburgh is slightly more than Glasgow as well. Having said that, though, Edinburgh at least, if not Glasgow, have stuck some good results and some very good European teams and some big teams this year. And they had their, they're the only team to win away in, you know, in South Africa on their tour. Connor. Connacht, Connacht, yeah, well. Connacht, yeah, true. Which I'd but, completely forgotten about until right then, to be fair. Yeah. So I don't, like, 
I don't think it's a Glasgow, Glasgow and Edinburgh. I think it's a frustrating thing. We talked about this before with Scotland. Is it's they've both got the potential. They both are able to. I mean, you know, the fact to be winning, doing it as well as Glasgow did against Leon is is a good performance. It's just the failure to see out games that lets them down. It's not that yeah. they're not as good as the teams above them. It's that well, Glasgow's problem in particular is they can't finish games. Yeah. And Glasgow, to be fair, did beat Munster this year. Yeah, true. But then other t- Munster, I think Munster, are, they're not Munster anymore. <laughs> they're all Munster right. Munster could finish just... second or could finish sixth next weekend. That's <laughs> so... exciting. <laughs> <laughs> um, next then, um, should we talk about Edinburgh? Um, I mean, that's somehow the Edinburgh one's more heartbreaking, I think, than Glasgow. Yeah. yeah. I think, I mean, for a lot of reasons, Edinburgh were at home. Edinburgh, I think, had a better chance than Glasgow ever did. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're a lot closer. And also, now I didn't see the full game, I only saw the highlights because I was playing on Saturday afternoon. Uh, but there was a lot of suggestions on Twitter that them losing that game wasn't entirely their fault. Yeah. Some of... But, the, but then... It is. It's always your fault. I think. I don't think you can ever blame the officials for. I mean, yeah. to, to to a certain extent. And although you know, um, Wasp scored from the penalty, the subsequent penalty, it should have been. A, they should have had a penalty try anyway. Yeah, yeah. From... It's it's kind of hard to judge. I think without having seen the entire game, uh, but there certainly were uh, incidents that I saw that were fairly interestingly refereed. Yeah, but I think that's to be play the referee. Like Craig would say, yeah. play the referee, and exactly. you can't get you can't get frustrated at refereeing decisions if your team aren't adapting to what he's asking them to do. No, and I also think as well, like I've always said, if if you lose by less than a score, uh, it didn't come down to one refereeing decision. That yeah. that one refereeing decision might have been that one score, but but you were close enough that you could have won that game. That's it. I mean, and you know, one try at least is because Ember completely messed up a kickoff. Do you know, and all of a sudden Wasp are in, in probably in the line and they've got a good field position. If you, you know, the, if Wasp were able to score tries because Ember gave them field position, not because a referee saw things slightly differently or made a marginal call. Yeah. So, yeah. But it's a shame for Ember. I don't, you know, yeah, it's, it they've had a good, they've had a nice, they had a good run. It's like you said, there's less to talk about with Ember, I think, because I, I, I think there's still the hope that they can, they, they're they going through a rough patch, but they can turn it around. And actually, you know, to give Wasps the game that they did might suggest some of the things have started to turn around. I mean, we'll see that in a couple of weeks at the 1872. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting that the number of the players that Ember have let go, though, is the news, it was in the news this week, and they've let... I mean, Ramiro Moyano is gone. Yeah, that's what is going on there because he's he's only been there a year, and before him, it was the Fijian winger. Do you remember who'd only been there a year and then yeah, randomly left? It's a bit strange. I guess it's maybe just people don't settle though. Maybe, but I mean, well, maybe unless he's been offered something else elsewhere. I mean, he's not. Done as well. I mean, he's not stood out as well as Buffelli, but he's still done a really good job on the wing. I mean, yeah. 
I mean, I guess they've signed, they've re-signed Damian Hoyland, who's kind of have hit a real purple patch. But you know, maybe I don't know. Like we said last week, maybe Mike Blair is desperate for that last stamp on his free coffee card, so he's he's re-signed Damian Hoyland and let Moyano go. <laughs> that's that's what it came down to. Ray Moyano does not have a loyalty scheme. Yeah, we we can only keep one, and they're both doing so well that we need a point of difference. It just happens to be Hoyland's got a coffee cart and Moyano doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other one, other people have gone from Embra then. Um, James Johnson, we knew James Johnson had, uh, was retiring anyway. Um, Magnus Bradbury's gone down to Bristol. Um, although. <laughs> That's we might talk about that our hands in the rock the Bristol stuff that's come up today because that's funny. Um, yes. and uh, Ben Tools is going to Japan, but um, um, the other one, oh, is it, oh God, Nathan Chamberlain going? That's yeah, I, yeah. I watched Super Six this weekend and the Southern Knights, my my, and I he's not even here. And one, well, yeah, it's my thing too. It's me and, me and Craig do together. I'm just, um, oh, I don't. The Southern Knights is bothering me a lot more than I thought it would, and I can see why. Given the way that they performed this weekend, I completely understand why Nathan Chamberlain isn't getting a new contract at Embra because they got an absolute spanking off of air, and they were just. Like all the Super Six teams to me look, all the Super Six teams apart from the Southern Knights right now look like teams who are trying to be professional and who are. Tr- it's like it, I suppose it's semi semi pro, I guess. There's organization to defense. There's attack patterns. There's a cohesiveness about their play. All the teams, everybody's beating somebody now, and. Every, I think everyone's beaten somebody on the road, apart from the Southern Knights, who've lost every single game of the Sprint Series, and they were just utterly abysmal against Ayrshire Bulls. Like they just, it looked like it looked like amateurs trying to tackle professionals. You know, they, they were just yeah. Like, they they don't look tackling, like the team from the final, do they? No, I mean they look. It looks like they're trying to chase and stroke cats. That's where they're tackling. That's their tackling t- technique. It's just running bolt upright after people or people running towards you and just running your palms down their shirts. It's, <laughs> and then it's like, oh, they, they've gone past me. I better go and run after them and make it look like just... There's holes everywhere. Do you think everywhere. the series got, is tied in with Tartan Touch? Maybe that's it. Maybe, we, maybe, they, maybe they didn't get the memo. Just, <laughs> or they got them both at the same time. <laughs> All right, lads, it's the sprint series. It's, I think it's Touch. Let's just see how it goes. <laughs> they printed out go. They didn't see me playing touch. Let's, we'll just keep going for the next six games. <laughs> see how it goes. Like the points difference is minus ninety. Jesus. And the next one up is borrowing your beers a minus thirty-seven. Yeah, that's not good, is it? No, it's awful. There's one more round of fixtures. I don't, I don't hold much hope, but yeah, it's. Yeah, it's not it's not great, and yeah, I think, you know, I think there's a suggestion that they've been stripped of a lot of their talent. But I mean, you've got Nathan Chamberlain there, who's you know played professional rugby, yeah, and you know he made some good passes and things. But you know, he's not. I can understand why he's not been offered another contract at Edinburgh. Yeah, he played in some big games for Edinburgh as well. He did. Yeah. 
which I think, and he did, and he played well, I think, as well. And I think it's one of those things as well. You know, there are those players I think that have obviously got all the ability in the world, but it's aren't able to kick on, yeah, for whatever reason. Someone comes along and replaces you, and you don't see maybe that you don't see people don't see it as a competition, or it doesn't push players on, and people give up. You know, it's yeah. I mean, you know, it'd be hard to. I'd, I'd be gut. I mean. We can say this because Craig's not here, but I'd be gutted. You know, I'd be gutted if I was a starting ten, and all of a sudden Blair Kinghorn was parachuted in my position. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> what? Who's he competing with? Kinghorn and, and Vanderbilt. Savala. Savala and Vanderbilt. Like outside of Blair Kinghorn, if you're a professional standard ten, you're not exactly terrified of that competition, are you? No, realistically. So, I wonder what's happened to him. It's a strange one. Who knows? He's got th- he's, he's he's got he's, he's thinning on top. Maybe that's it. It's like a Samson <laughs> thing. Does it like being on telly? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think there's nothing else to say about Emory in Glasgow, really, other than the well, we're all going to eighteen seventy-two. Yep. You're I think, sitting in I the think Glasgow's levers. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm sitting beside Craig Manson. I think Glasgow's yeah. levers are out, but I don't think there's anything very surprising. No, there was nothing big in there, was there? Um, who's going? Grant, either Grant Stewart or Johnny Matthews is going. Is it? It can be. I mean, Johnny Matthews played had a good, decent game at the weekend. I know. I think is it Grant Stewart? That's it's Grant going? Stewart. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, I knew it was. I knew it was someone I wasn't all that surprised by. And I mean, Fraser Brown. George Turner and Johnny Matthews. Oh, Tom Lambert. Tom Lambert's away. Yeah, that's right. In order, in order to that's shoot other playing me. opportunities overseas. Yeah. Yeah, that was the one that surprised me. Yeah. It's... Yeah, he missed all season with an ankle injury. I wonder what... Yeah, pursuing a play... I mean, the thing is, it's it's not... Scotland don't have the best. Scotland, Glasgow and Edinburgh don't have the best of luck with props. I mean, Edinburgh probably more so, but Glasgow never really have never, apart from Xander, I suppose, they never really landed on a consistent set of props because everyone kind of has a has that moment, but then yeah. kind of fades away. Either, I mean, maybe through injury or otherwise, but there's no. I'm not sure how much consistency Glasgow have had in the front yeah. row outside yeah. of Hooker and Xander. They all go the way of the Marfo eventually. Yeah. <laughs> or do a Jamie Batty, which is, oh, look, he's really good. Oh, no, he's gone down south. Now he's at Embry. Now he's back to Glasgow. Yeah. He he, um, was... he played quite well on uh, Saturday. He did, yeah. He's not looking in the best of condition. No. I would argue. <laughs> and I know he's a prop, but it's still a... I mean, given the way that Glasgow play, that's... I... Just looks, he looks yeah. bigger than he has done in the past. I'm not body shaming it, but he, yeah, I'm not. It's not. What he, he's not built for eighty minute rugby. No. Yeah, I mean, b- bigger than he has done in the past is helpful for some area of his areas of his game, but it has been quite detrimental to some others. Yeah, the other one that's gone is uh, Hamish Bain. Yes. Um, second row, but um. Yeah, he hasn't managed many. I mean, he's, he's playing Super Six now, anyway. So yeah, it's um, he hadn't played a huge part, Hamish Bain, but 
But the combination of him, Big Bad Bob, and Kieran McDonald all going is a bit uh, hmm. leaves us a bit thin. <laughs> well, you got yeah, Richie Gray. Richie Gray can't do it on his own. Nope. Uh, Lewis Bean is the other one. Who's leaving or who's who's available? She got Cummings. Who's available? Yeah, and Scott Cummings. She's got Lewis Bean, Scott Cummings, Richie Gray. Richie Gray. And then there's the academy lads that you've signed. Yeah. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> no. But presumably, I mean, Danny Wilson says there's more signings coming. Yeah. Who knows? No. I, I like uh, Lewis Bean, actually. I'm a big fan of Lewis Bean, um, but also the standard that Lewis Bean's at is that he got released a couple of weeks to go to go and play for the army. So Yeah. JP Dupree's coming in as well. Oh, so isn't, he is. Isn't yeah. he like seven foot ten as well? He's a big lad, yeah. There's that South African look that everyone keeps telling us, but everyone keeps mentioning who's got some sort of Scottish granny. Yeah. Everyone gets excited about now and again. It's usually Edinburgh they get excited about him, though, isn't it? Probably. Um, yeah, so that's it for Glasgow, and that's us up to date on Glasgow and Edinburgh signings. Um, there's been a couple of big bits of news kind of in the world of rugby that's probably worth talking about. Um, yes. The first Should we start one... with the very biggest one that we can get out of the way very quickly, which is that today, a uh, friend of the pod, David Quarrell, got announced as team manager for Stirling County next year. Oh, yes. So that's exciting. That is exciting. Well done. Him, well he's done. promised to, he's going to get the grass cut at Bridgehaw as well. So, <laughs> Pat, I, think he said I think he said he'd cut the grass already. I did. Himself. <laughs> got it cut. That's, that's super six, that's super six money doesn't go very far. <laughs> Well, no, well done to him. That'll be good. That'll be good. He'll, he'll enjoy that. Extension lead. Yeah, that'll be good. <laughs> Especially if you can get a uh, Sterling stash. Yeah, because it is nice. Yeah, I'm one step closer to my Sterling County stash. <laughs> um, the other big bits of news then is we've we know who's going to host the uh, next three women's World Cups and two men's yep. World Cups. Yeah, well, yeah. So, well, we knew we knew the next men's one already, obviously, because they're ha- they were. Half a cycle ahead, because it's France. We knew about France, so we know about France, don't yeah, we? Yeah. So yeah, the England one, the England women's one, is technically the same cycle as the France men's one. Yes, but they hadn't. It's two years. Around, <laughs> they hadn't got around to announcing it yet. Yeah. So it's um, England women's one in in twenty twenty five. That's quite. Good. I mean, that's exciting. I think to have. I mean, obviously, it's in New Zealand this time round, but. And, and and it's a good time for it to be in New Zealand, given that they've started up a semi-pro women's league. So it feels quite timely for them. I think this this Six Nations, as we said, has been good in raising the profile of the game in the UK. So if everybody does what they need to do in the next <laughs> three years... It could be a really good too, really good, exciting tournament. I think, and it's yeah. it's a target. I think for the SRU to say we've got three years to get a really good professional setup in place, yeah, and to Re- go and have a really good tilt at the World Cup. Realistically, when the World Cup comes here to England, all four Lions nations should have a fully professional women's setup to yeah. welcome that World Cup. That's yeah. like. I'd like to say. see, yeah. I mean, I'd like to see. It's just I know they've gone. 
with it, it's England of the hosts. It would be nice if they did what they, they've done in previous World Cups and had a game in Cardiff and had a game in and have some games in Edinburgh just to kind of spread the game a little bit. Yeah. Even if it's that if Scotland, and that's the other thing, I suppose, that, that you know, it's, it's a good target for Scotland women to even qualify for it. Yeah. Because we take it for granted that the men qualify, but there's, I mean, they'll have to make it out of their group in New Zealand. Is it top three in the group go qualify? I think, isn't it? And then everyone goes so. into the Reaper Charges. So, yeah. It, and that's going to be hard because it's yeah. New Zealand, Australia, and Wales. And Wales, yeah. So, yeah. it's. I think that needs to be the target now for the SRU to say there's, you know, we want to be competitive at the next World Cup. And it's in England. And it's a really good platform to sell the women's game from. But I doesn't feel like things are moving fast enough for that to happen. Nope. Because <laughs> we still haven't got any announcement about professional team in Scotland. We still haven't heard any more about this supposed URC Mirror League. So yeah, they've got things going to have to start happening quite quick if we're going to get to that. Yeah, because it's so you. I mean, it's they're already a season down because you're not going to set anything up in time for next September for this September coming. So that's already a year missed. So realistically, unless the URC are going to say, unless there's going to be an agreement to hold it as its own separate thing, maybe over the summer. Yeah. That's the only way that they're going to get up and running in time to make any tangible impact, which would be good. Actually, I'd watch, I think what I say, I'd watch it. That's, but I think <laughs> it would be if they're going to set up a kind of mirror URC conference having it after the men's one and over the summer would make a lot of sense because it's there's i think that's what worked for the six nations this year is that everybody everybody got excited oh well look it's i'm not having to kind of sit and watch three days of rugby to catch every single game you can go okay well i've watched the six nations now i watched the tiktok six nations off the back of that yeah and there's time to do it it's got its own space to be its own thing do you know what I'd love them to do? Did you see the um, Super Rugby Melbourne weekender that they just did? It looked fantastic. Nope. Every single team in Super Rugby, uh, they all played in Melbourne over the course of a weekend. So it was like, uh, what, eight games? Six games, maybe? I would love the first round of the women's URC to be over the weekend of the men's final in the same city as the men's final. That'd be amazing. That would be really good. Yeah. If there's like, yeah, if there's like 16 women's URC teams, so that's eight games, and it's in like Dublin because that's where the URC final always is, <laughs> then you could use the RDS, you can use the Aviva. There's venues. You can space it over the weekend. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah, that'd be good. Yep, there we go. Done your job so for you, URC. You can have that for free. Yep. Um, I say free, you can have it for some tickets. <laughs> um, then we've got the next big thing I mean Australia having it is kind of fairly it seems fairly inevitable in yeah. 2027 because it's just probably their turn to have it in this yeah because I mean they they kind of do, do they, I think they do like established northern hemisphere established southern hemisphere emerging nation as a rotation yeah so I don't we'll, think that's you know, been deliberate though has it I don't, I don't know 
I think Japan it's probably was the first, not. Japan was the first emerging nation to get it, really. Yeah. So, I think yeah, I think on in this these last two cycles they've kind of slotted it in because it did used to just be like northern, southern, northern, southern, northern, southern. I think the big problem that you've got is that it essentially bankrupts you to to host it. <laughs> like, as far as go for the RFE, I think it does very well for, for for the countries that host it. It does very well, but I think for the yeah. unions, it's not necessarily financially Although, viable. The RFU made a lot of money off the World Cup, didn't they? And just I like think they did, yeah. Spent it. I but don't think was it was. Some... I don't think it was hosted the World Cup that bankrupted them. I think it was spending the money badly once they was had it. it. Was it the IRFU? Or was it just Irish people in in general kind of belly aching when we when we voted for France that they couldn't afford to host it? I think they said they couldn't force, afford to host the future tournament. Then they said it was their last chance to do it. Oh yeah, maybe that's what I'm getting mixed up with. Just. About four years of salty Irish people in my mentions going, oh, you didn't vote for <laughs> us in the World Cups. Why should we? Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't love it? Who doesn't love a trip to France? Yeah, exactly. And like, realistically, where are you going to hold an entire World Cup in Ireland? Yeah, exactly. Like, Ireland, Ireland genuinely, as, as far as dedicated rugby venues go, on the entire island has three and a half. So, <laughs> what, are you, what are you going to do for a World Cup? Yeah. I mean, the, um, the Springboks have got a bit of experience with it now with the URC, but can you imagine the whole Blacks rocking up to the sports ground? <laughs> <laughs> you imagine, World like, Cup quarterfinal. And you're going to go and sit on the sofa when you get a yellow card. <laughs> you have you have to move the, the time of the quarter, World Cup quarterfinal because there's dog racing on. Like... <laughs> Be serious. <laughs> I mean, the most, I mean, the most Irish thing ever. <laughs> you know, you I can't, can't be having works, a, but there's you like... can't be having to, you can't be having it on that day for you boys. We've got a private function booked. <laughs> there's there's some sort of thing. I don't know if it's maybe over now, but it certainly was on the go until very recently, where the like the sports ground was owned by the like greyhound racing board or something, so they couldn't do anything. Yeah, I think you know. I think it was. Yeah. Now you can't be playing rugby here on Saturday the thirteenth. We've got a right, right live race and a kiddie's birthday party in the function room. <laughs> You'll have to play it on a Sunday. And I'd like they were they were angry that we didn't vote for that. I don't care. There's a stadium in France a wine cellar and a big party zone. <laughs> Why would we vote for the sports ground when we could be going there? I don't care who you are, Mister Beaumont. Young Lachlan's been waiting for his birthday for ages. <laughs> You'll have to be holding we'll the final. We'll never get the deposit back on the bouncy castle. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, so that's a, yeah, the, the URC the final had to be relocated as Ed Sheeran's playing the Aviva. <laughs> there you go. That's the state rugby is on a global scale. So the fact that there was well, another group chat that we were in... Um, People were watching Pointless this week to kind of show where rugby is. The two lads claimed to be big fans of rugby and thought that George North <laughs> played for England. Yep. Yep. Um, what did they say? Was it them that said Mario Otoji? Mario Otoji. No, or I think somebody Marco, said the, he stood. Itoji. I think someone says, um, again, someone, one of our other friends had said that they were stood beside someone that took them who kept shouting, Come on, Mario, uh, Mario Otoji, yep. for the entire game. 
which I like to think it was just Luigi. Come on, Mario. <laughs> Waiting for him to come back from the bar. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Australia 2027, 20, um, and they then get the women's for 2029, which means they must be doing it then as a double deal. They seem to be, yeah, uh, from, from like this 2027 onwards. Certainly for the next two. Yeah. Because it's USA after that for both. Australia's really weird, though, because I kind of, like, I think there's the, there's the expat thing in Australia, but it's still, like, rugby union's still, like, the fourth most popular sport in Australia. Might be the fifth. Yeah. yeah. Like, cricket, Aussie rules, league. Yep. Probably football. Yeah. I think football's, like, getting up there in Australia. Um, there's also... Um, yeah. I mean, they're playing a Bledisloe Cup on, on like, a Wednesday or Thursday night because they don't want to clash with... Is I think it's the AFL Grand Final, to be fair. Um, and there's but still there's like that's on. just yeah, but that's I mean, the Bledisloe is the biggest game that you get if you're Australian, yeah, and, they just, and they're like so, <laughs> no interest in trying to take part in the same day. because you can't, you can't clash with the Aussie rules, <laughs> yeah. Although they do play, um, and also there's they've got, um, I don't know what they call it, but my brothers told me they, they have that thing where they have women in bikinis playing American football as well. Apparently, that's quite popular in Australia, shocker. Yeah. Not that I want to like denigrate all of Australia, but I'm not entirely <laughs> not. entirely unsurprised by that. So what? I probably put rugby rugby union like eighth. <laughs> See if we get a wee two piece for Taniella Tupo. <laughs> that would bump those weird figures up. <laughs> What's that? I mean the last time I was what how is it the last well yeah, it's the last Bledisloe Cup game. The stadium was half empty. I know they had COVID and stuff, but it wasn't half empty because of COVID. It was just half empty because no bugger turned up to it. Yeah, because nobody went. Um, so yeah, I always forget that like there's still COVID rules other places because you see the South African stadiums where there's only a handful of people, and it's because they're still in severe limits. Yeah, almost as so though let's send disease the is still there. Yeah, it's almost as though the uh, disease is still uh, running rife and rampant throughout the. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, the big one though is the USA. Yeah, they've finally given it to the USA um, for twenty thirty-one thirty-three. Which I don't know. Part of me thinks they did it because they're expecting a nuclear winter between now and then, and they thought, well, let's just... <laughs> they'll not actually have to host it. <laughs> so let's give it to them. But the strange thing with this is. And it brings us on to the probably the other thing that's worth talking about is this this we get it every year. It's the annual kind of world rugby chat about how can we revolutionize the calendar and make things more exciting chat. Yeah. And the latest so the latest proposal is, or seems to the leaked proposal, is that um there's gonna be a biennial North v South competition, which will launch in twenty twenty six. And essentially, everybody will play. Every, they still keep the Six Nations. You still keep the. You still keep Super Rugby, or Super Rugby. You still keep the Southern Hemisphere competition, but it'll include Japan and Fiji. And then you'll have your summer tours. And, but everybody will play. You won't go and just tour one country. You yeah. will do a bit like the the Southern Hemisphere tours do when you come up to the Northern Hemisphere. You'll play different countries yeah. and be allotted and then at the end of november they'll have a finals weekend 
a bit like the Open Nations Cup where everyone will be ranked and everyone will play everybody. Yeah. And you're kind of like, you're the best, the worst. What's weird about it, though, and doesn't make sense to me, is it, it completely cuts off tier two countries now from, yeah. from any seat at the table. Like, it's fine to say, all right, Fiji and Japan are in, but there's then no space in the calendar for Scotland to play a Georgia or Tonga or Samoa to have any yeah. game, or even like the USA and Canada to get any opportunity to play an A game. So why yeah. why why do I don't get the theory I don't get why you do that in twenty twenty six and go and play the World Cup in the USA in twenty thirty one. Yeah, it just doesn't really fit, does it? Because no nobody in America's gonna watch it. No. Because America no. gonna be awful. Are they like they they were all in America, they were really excited when the All Blacks came and put 100 points on them, but they were still excited because it was yeah. the All Blacks. And then, like, you're basically saying, oh, yeah, that's never going to happen again. Oh, but, but buy tickets to a World Cup. Because yeah. the, thing, the thing about having a World Cup in America, and it could be, like, could be amazing, or it could be very much not. And America has a little bit of an, of an expat community. America is also massive. Yeah. <laughs> like, you... It's very unlikely that traveling fans are going to be able to go and watch all of their teams' games unless they're going to unless they're going to like localize the groups or whatever. Um, but yeah. you're going to be relying on locals filling seats, and if you've blocked them out of international rugby for five years before that, then they're not going to. Yeah, because then all you're relying on is MLR doing well enough to penetrate past baseball, American football, American ice football, hockey, ice hockey, and basketball. all the other. Yep. Everything else and soccer probably Major soccer, League soccer. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not going to do that in that you know that the, the money's obviously there with some of the people that are going over there and getting paid. Yeah. In the MLR, but I don't I'm not the audience isn't there. No. Yeah, I mean unless you localize the pool stages, can you imagine going to America for World Cup to watch Scotland and, and our group our pool stage games end up being like New Boston. Orleans, Boston, Seattle. Like, yeah, that's not going to happen. You're, th- they'd be lucky if the team can make those. Never mind all the fans. It's probably a lot like us doing it in Australia, though. Is it probably they're probably heavily relying on it on expats and people yeah. who think they're expats, but yeah. are actually kind of fifth generation Irish. Yeah, you know, on the grandfather's side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can I can imagine if they do it that way. Yeah, like Scotland and Ireland's group games are all in Boston and New York. Yeah, because like, I mean, I'm pretty sure Japan that's and inter- Australia play in San Francisco, that sort of thing. Aside from a few curious Americans, I would imagine everybody that turned up to that All Blacks game was some form of expat or second generation. Yeah, from a rugby nation to go and watch it. I don't think it was necessarily a. I might be wrong. Some people might have just gone along about morbid curiosity. <laughs> was that game in Texas? We played in forty degree heat. Yeah. That was no. That's no heat to play Stuart Hogan. No, no. That's the sort of tour where, like, Rob Harley's really happy he's not going. Yeah. <laughs> well, Glasgow took him to South Africa. <laughs> Poor lad. Um, I think that's that's the main news. We can have a bit more of a rant about that in Hands in the Ruck in a bit. Yeah, any more news? Thoughts about the Nations League? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, 
No, I don't think so. I think we've covered everything. I think we've got all. The one thing I should just say is uh, congratulations to Fiona Skeen of Berwick Rugby Club, who is the first ever female president of the oldest rugby union league in the world, the Borders League. So 125 years old. Yeah, so well congratulations to Fiona. Um, it's good to see after 125 years, finally progress from the Borders. <laughs> I might have a rant about that in uh, answering the rock as well. <laughs> um, we're gonna okay, so we're gonna um, go and record our uh, bonus episode now for our patrons. Um, so you can sign up to the patron for that three pound, like I said, three pound a month. patreoncom Scottish Rugby Podcast. Um, we will be well, I won't be, but the the everybody else will be here next week to preview the 1872 Cup. We are going to be there. If you see us, stop us and say hello. Buy us a drink if you want. We'll not yep. say no. No, um, certainly will not. Um, but for the moment, it is goodbye from me and goodbye from Johnny. Bye-bye.